Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on The Bigger Picture. Now, Singapore has joined the ranks of countries requiring digital payment operators to follow the same sort of regulations and customer protection requirements that apply to your conventional financial institutions, like your banks. So this includes new measures to be enacted by the end of the year. This will ring fence customer assets and a move that is meant to avoid a repeat of the huge losses that occurred when cryptocurrency firms went bust recently. Crypto outfits are also barred from facilitating retail customer lending and staking, and this is the term for locking up crypto assets for a set time to support blockchain validation in return for some rewards. To contextualize this seemingly crackdown on crypto, let's check in now with Angela Ang. She is the Senior Policy Advisor for TRM Labs, which is a blockchain intelligence firm. She's also a former MES regulator. Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Ryan. So glad to be here to discuss these important developments with you. Yes, it is really a bit of a milestone. So what are the most significant changes for you? Did anything surprise you here? Well, you know, Ryan, I think there's nothing really that should surprise anyone who's been following the Singapore market because MES has really been extremely consistent about its stance that speculative crypto trading is not suitable for investors. And they've been signaling for quite a while now that they'll be putting in place additional guardrails for consumers. So when you throw in last year's high-profile crypto failures Mm. in the mix, the writing has really been on the wall for some time. And of course, there was a public consultation process on the requirements and the measures haven't really deviated much from what was consulted. The one thing that did surprise me was the timing um, because we saw that MES decided to move forward with the rules around segregation and custody of customer assets even while they haven't actually decided on some of the other measures that they had consulted on earlier. And, you know, to me, it shows that they view these rules as urgent. And, you know, to go back and answer your question on the most significant change, I think these segregation and custody requirements are definitely the most significant because, you know, they will be the most needle-moving in terms of protecting consumers in the event of, you know, insolvency or fraud. Because basically they are requiring customer assets, you know, both fiat money and crypto to be held separate from the crypto operator's own assets. And this was actually one of the requirements in Japan that actually allowed FTX Japan to be one of the first to fully make whole its customers after mm. um, oh, the, <laughs> the, the debacle. Yeah, yeah. So a lot has happened in the crypto space. And you mentioned how perhaps there's some urgency to address some of these issues. But at the same time, it does come across as also measured because you want to balance regulations as well versus innovation. So if you look at some of the measures being announced, this includes how digital payment token firms will have to conduct things like daily reconciliation of customers' assets, pretty much keeping track of what's going on, keeping proper records, and as well as maintaining access, so stuff like that. How much of a change will this be for current players? Isn't this already going on? There's a lot of requirements here and of course some will be more of a lift than others for players to comply. But I think, you know, broadly and a number of other folks have said this, the requirements do raise the bar for most players in terms of operational practices today. And basically the requirements actually mirror the requirements on traditional finance markets. And this reflects regulatory philosophy that originated from the Financial Stability Board, which is one of the major global standard setting boards. It's, it's quite patchy really. So same risk same activity and same regulation. And basically what they're saying is, hey, crypto guys, if you're doing the same thing as traditional players, you know, for example, you're providing a trading platform to customers, 
then I'm going to apply the same regulation. Yeah, mm. No, we are not going to have different standards just because you're crypto. And this philosophy has really been gaining momentum globally among regulators. And to a certain extent, you know, it does make sense because while the tech is new, the risks are old. So where the same risks apply and the requirements make sense, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. But um, you know, at the same time, we also have to remember that crypto is still a very young sector. And for quite a long time, it was pretty much an unregulated space. And now very quickly over a couple of years, the regulatory pendulum is swinging the other way and they have to contend not just with regulation, but quite a lot of it. So, you know, definitely there's an adjustment phase. There's a season of growing pains as the industry starts to mature and becomes more familiar with the business of regulatory compliance. But even so, most industry players agree and acknowledge that this is the new normal and they accept that this bar raising for risk management record keeping is really the right direction to go. Yeah, and another area is what's called staking. For many people in the crypto space are quite familiar with this. It's quite similar to how perhaps you can put a deposit in a bank and then get back some interest. So in the same way, you put some deposit of cryptocurrencies with someone and then you get back more cryptocurrency. Why is that risky? Basically, leasing your crypto and, and you hit the nail on the head. It's not that dissimilar to putting your money in a bank account for, for interest. So you know, as to why regulators are starting to view these activities as highly risky, I think we have to look back to last year because a lot of the crypto failures that happened, many of them were crypto lenders. What happened was after crypto markets died due to the Terra Luna debacle, many lenders started to run into financial difficulties and they couldn't meet their obligations to their customers and a number of them eventually went bankrupt. So the most high profile was probably Celsius Network in the US. And here in Singapore, we had three lenders, you know, Vault, Holdenot, uh, Zipmax. They also ran into serious trouble. They had to free customer results and also, you know, fold their operations. So I, I think that's kind of what's driving that perspective. But I, I mean, it's fair it's, it's to say, I think that any activity that involves some form of leverage and borrowing, it will be a little bit more high risk than the vanilla cousin. All right. Protecting the retail, retail public crowd is what the MS appears to be doing. Now, let's talk about how Singapore compares versus the rest of the region. So on balance, it seems like Singapore is trying to approach regulations with some space for innovation to thrive. And you've got a bit of a chicken rice analogy here. Yeah, so I, I think I really can't say it better than MAS Managing Director Ravi Menon when he said that MAS approach to this entire space is yes to digital asset innovation and no to cryptocurrency speculation. So, you know, on one hand, MAS is very engaged with the potential of blockchain technology. They have been actively encouraging and partnering the industry on innovative use cases. For example, Project Guardian looks at the tokenization of existing financial products and how block- blockchain infrastructure can benefit these activities in terms of efficiency, ease, etc., etc. But you know, when it comes to crypto, MES is definitely more conservative and hawkish, especially in terms of speculative retail trading. And that has certainly meant non-negotiables in terms of regulations. But at the same time, you know, they've also shown in their decisions that they are listening to the market and, and responding to some of the requirements where there are some practical implementation considerations and holding back on them. And looking more broadly from a regional perspective, I would say that the tone is generally similar across the region, very fortunately, even if there are some differences in terms of the outcome, like specific rules. Generally, regulators here in Asia-Pacific are quite balanced. They want to regulate well, but also not stifle innovation. And Hong Kong, for one, has been very focal about this philosophy. And I just returned from Bangkok where we were in dialogue with the Thai regulators and industry together. And there was similarly a great emphasis on collaboration, regulatory clarity and responsible innovation. 
All right, we've been chatting with Angela Ang. She is the Senior Policy Advisor for TRM Labs, which is a blockchain intelligence firm, helping us to break down the latest changes and regulations coming forth for Singapore in the crypto scene and blockchain scene as well. Angela, thank you so much for your time and well, have a thank great you, Friday ahead. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.